Hey guys, Dominic Neshi here from Wealthy. Before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to just remind you that if you are enjoying the content that we're creating, you're liking the guests and getting something out of it, please like, subscribe and pass it on to all your friends that might find it helpful. And remember that all of this is ultimately so you can learn how to build wealth through property. If you have an existing portfolio or you're looking to start that journey, feel free to reach out to me and the team and we'll find out ways that we can help you. Now, without further ado, let's jump into the next episode. Hey guys, Dominic Neshi, everybody. I am here on the Wealthy Podcast with the great, the infamous, David Great Leon. and infamous. I like that. Come I on, like man. That. After the I'm performance excited. you had today, I was pumped. I had to jump out of my seat. You had people jumping out of the seat listening to your, your you speech. You to get people out of the seat. That was awesome. Now, I want to give you a quick intro. This man here started his career spraying perfume uh, with $0 in his bank account. He's worked his ass off and very quickly started his own portfolio with no cash. Started buying properties and scared all of his family, friends and members around him. I'm sure he had a lot of people saying, don't do it, don't do it. But we'll jump into that. He now owns millions of dollars worth of property across multiple different countries. He's traveled all over the globe. He has liberated thousands of people financially through uh, building wealth through property. And this is what it's all about. Leon has a stage presence that I rarely get to see. And I was today at Success Resource. Thank you to the team out there. You brought a beautiful event and it was really, really good. But Leon did a fantastic event. And he shares the stage with people like Tony Robbins, Tom Bilyeu, uh, Bilyeu, uh, Gary V, Robert Kiyosaki, and rightfully so. It is a lot of fun. It is a privilege. It's an honor. And it all comes down as well to the audience. The audience today was a lot of freaking fun. Uh, Melbourne was bloody good uh, a couple of days ago. But today was, was just fun. It was just different. It was easy. It was chill. And I think people enjoy that. And at the end of the day, if, you, if you're honest about what you do, if you feel it, uh, if it comes from the heart, I think that everything changes and well, you get to that level of, of action that you want to do. Because at the end of the day, the whole speaking is all good. But if you don't get people to do something about it, it's absolutely pointless. It's just a Spanish guy speaking, talking nonsense. Yes. Well, man, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's awesome. It's a privilege. I, I, Again, thank you very much for bringing me here, man. It's, uh, it's good. Um, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. So there you go. It doesn't get any better than doing it with you. Man. Well, hopefully it spurs you to action after today. You start using your own equipment and That's getting it. all these international acts on your show. <laughs> So without further ado, would you mind telling us a little bit about how it all started? Like where it all began with you? I, I gave you a little bit of an intro, but I'm sure you have a better story than the I The intro was so ridiculously good. I mean, I barely <laughs> know what to say now. But I'll go a little bit deeper into it. So yes, I was spraying perfume in Harrods. That was my job. Uh, I, I have a degree in biomechanics. Uh, I studied in the States, played a bit of sports over there while I was in uni. Then I went straight on to... In Spain, where I hated my life, it, it just didn't work. Uh, three months there was enough for a friend to say, hey, I'm going to London, do you want to join? And I said, shit, yeah, let's go. One day, I could make more money spraying perfume than I could make with my degrees. So I did that for three years. Three bloody years of doing that, which was a lot of fun, but at the end of the day, it's not what I wanted. And I met a woman. And that's how everything usually changes. Because you realize that you want more that relationship you want to offer something that i couldn't offer at that stage which was that financial security to do the things that we both wanted to do and that's what spurred me into action 
of doing things. One of the things that I started doing was reading books, especially Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Napoleon Hill, all, all the classics. Thinking Very Rich, oh, yeah. Seriously, I, I, I've read that book about 10 times now. It, it's, it, it still spurs me into doing different things, right? And uh, I read uh, over 50 books in the first, first year, uh, but that came at a cost, which is that I wasn't showing up to work because I was reading and learning and everything else, and I got fired from Harrods. And I literally had to get started with no money, no job, and just uh, a crazy guy telling me that I could buy houses by using credit cards. That sounds risky. And I love I love the, the parallel of this man that is overqualified for the job, an engineer, losing his job spraying perfume. Oh, no engineer at all. <laughs> Biomechanics is, is not engineering. Okay? Okay. Let me just clarify. It, it's, it, look, it's a bachelor's degree. So not that overqualified. I think spraying perfume teaches you a lot of things, to be honest. I think that when you get over rejection, which is mm. one of the biggest things that you need to get over to be good at property, things really change for you. I honestly think anyone that wants to do good in property and any kind of business, you should be out there literally door knocking, trying to sell shit to people. 100% agree. A lot of what I've learned is through cold calling, door knocking, learning how to talk to people, how to relate. Empathy. empathy. People don't have empathy anymore. They don't have any social skills because of bloody social media mostly, to be honest, which is one of my pet hates, but it's, it's a necessary evil at times when it comes to marketing. Uh, and I know that it sucks to say this in this kind of an environment, but the reality is that people, because it's so much easier to just type shit online than it is to talk to someone, we're losing the little skill that we actually have, and that is what makes money. That is what creates momentum, because property is not about property. Property and business is about people. So tell me a little bit about this journey that you had there. So yep. the, you, you, you got credit card debt. You went and bought some properties. I'm not, I'm not advocating that you do this. I'm sure you may or definitely. may not. I was about to do that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is definitely a, a big caveat that we have to put in here. I'm not a hypocrite, and I'm yeah. not going to tell you something that I didn't do. But I'm also not going to tell you to do this because I'm sure that, that there is a lot of ins and outs that you need to know about before you get into something like this. So I knew what I was doing. Uh, I had a credit limit. And this is 2002. Mm. Okay, this is going a long time ago so credit cards work differently credit work different itself so you just have to learn the rules play within the rules don't do anything unethical um, do everything that's legal and, and I did it by essentially I did a mentorship um, so I had a mentor that helped me to do this and put it all together that's how I started uh, he wasn't great he was good enough for me to actually go from nothing to we bought three properties literally on the first three days that we did the mentorship and we use credit card debt by basically acquiring a credit limit. Mm. We would buy the whole property on the credit card. Then we would transfer it to a 0% balance transfer card. So you had free property. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was paying absolutely nothing, right? Then we would renovate it with another card, do it all up, revalue it. And once that it was revalued, we would pull all our money out you recycle and then use your the card again. And it was beautiful. And then I started doing the same thing for deposits in Spain, in properties that I bought in Spain, and for properties that I bought in New Zealand. I actually bought properties literally within seven days of going for a holiday in 2004. Uh, so that was my first properties in New Zealand, bought with deposits on credit cards in the UK. So you have a very analytical mindset. You're taking, you, you, you've got measured steps. You understand the risks that you're taking before you're buying these properties. You understand your exits, obviously, because you're not going to be doing this willy-nilly. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your 
choosing or selection of property or, or are there any guiding principles or rules behind the properties that you choose or the markets that you go after yeah i think that that question leads me to something else in a way but i, I, it, take whatever I am going to answer like. this yeah, yeah, one yeah, take whatever because it's like. really powerful i think it's risk profile that people don't understand and what's risky and what's not i agree for me what is risky is to buy cash flow negative property in australia and hope for the best Hope that something's going to happen. It it doesn't work. It's scary. And for people, when shit hits a fan, which it does, that's when they lose everything. That's when families get split. That's when people get really hurt. For me, using a credit card in that situation was not scary. And it was not that risky. Because the properties that I was buying were positive cash flow properties. So I didn't have a problem with it because I never had to sell it. Whether the market went up or down, my cash flow was still going to be there. And it was geared, and that's my analysis when it comes to that, it was geared to people that were actually on benefits. So I didn't even have to get rental of them. The government was paying me for those properties. So I had absolutely very little risk on purchasing low-end properties that no one wanted, the ugly ducklings, Mm. with ready-made supply of tenants. And I knew that I never had to sell them. So the growth that happened and took place, and look, I did great. I timed it really well. And sometimes you have to go with a little bit of luck. I'm not that good. Sometimes you take that little bit of luck, and I'm very humble to be able to say, hey, it's not just all me. I am not that good. I don't time the market. But I did start buying in 2002, and I did sell all my property portfolio in the UK in 2007. So I couldn't have timed it any better. Timed it pretty well. Yes, yes, it was. And it's just because it didn't make sense. I, one, of the, one of the things that I analyze and that I use is uh, um, salary ratios. So I look at property price to salary. I see, yes. Once, once that you see the affordability, essentially, which is what it's measuring, uh, going past a certain point, that for me, it's about 12. Uh, for most major cities without migration, um, that's it's time for you to actually offload some of those properties and move it to a market that could grow better. And that's the other thing that people don't do. They're very stationary in their investment. Mm. They believe that just because it's performing well and it's done okay, I don't want to sell it. I don't want to move the rent up because I may lose a uh, tenant. This is a business. So as a business, you need to analyze the numbers and if it works better to move it somewhere else, that is sell it and move your money to a better performing market. It's that simple. Don't fall in love with the property. Fall in love with the money and the, what, the, what the money gives you, the freedom that it gives you. That's what people don't do well. Can I touch on a few points there? Because you said so many really important things for people that are starting your property journey. Yeah. You, you covered your risk with the assets that you purchased because you were aware of the cash flow, right? That meant that no matter what happened with this property, the market goes up, down, left, right, whatever, the cash flow was enough to service the debt the, the, the target... Even more than that, before I go there, yeah. I bought under market value. So I'm getting two of those key components. I know that the cash flow is going to be good, and I know that I'm buying 10 to 20% under what I could potentially sell. So if shit hits a fan, I couldn't really lose much money at all. So you're buying something that's uh, under value? Yes. You've got something that's got good cash flow? Yes. The target market you're going after, you knew that this is the lowest rent. So I've got very, it's not going to drop out of its ass. And the people that are paying it's coming from government, so I'm I'm protected. Yes. And then you know that when I'm ready, if there is growth or if I have cash, I can then inject some additional value to then create equity that you can pull out, recycle the debt, and then keep on going. Beautiful. Beautiful. Explained it much better than I did. No, no, I like the way that you said it. I'm just, it helps me understand it when yeah. I go through the process as well. Completely. 
So you run a, a very successful business now and from what I understand, the majority of the property that you're currently working with is in New Zealand. Yes, we, we teach people how to invest in New Zealand. We also do a little bit of the UK and the US. So there are the markets now that work fairly well. I still believe, honestly believe that New Zealand is the best market to go into. We still have a lot more growth. And with, uh, how can I put it, global turmoil that we're living at the moment, people are looking for safe havens. Those safe havens are New Zealand and Australia. Obviously, Australia has had a bit of, of bad media at the moment with the fires. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's obviously going to affect a little bit of the migration. It's a reality of where we are. Like like we had a, a negative uh, um, market media, let's put it that way, when, when the earthquakes in Christchurch occurred. Uh, so you need to be looking at those safe havens and the positive migration. New Zealand and Australia have always had this great growth pattern. Uh, so that's always going to help for the property to maintain what it's doing. And in New Zealand... We have another thing that you guys don't have, which is uh, which is the tax situation, and this is not something that's going to last forever. We probably have another decade, maybe a little bit longer, where we don't have stamp duty, where our capital gains tax is zero percent, where we don't have wealth tax, where we don't have inheritance tax. What am I doing here? I know, I don't know. Now stamp honest. duty. So here we we have stamp duty coming into the property, yes. and then if you sell it. You have to pay capital gains tax, which is whatever profit you've made, it gets added to your income. If you're in the highest marginal tax bracket, that means not 50% of this profit is going to go away. There's other things. If you hold for more than a year, there's all sorts of things to consider. But the fact that you've got this opportunity to offload property means that you can recycle the properties in your portfolio without having to get penalized. Yes. It's very attractive. Yes, and obviously there is more implications on that. There is if you sell it within five, because it's all intentionality when it comes to capital gains tax in terms of the profit, whether it's going to be considered capital or income. So ah, if you sell okay. it within five years, it's to be considered income, and then you will pay income tax at the end of the financial year. If you're running it as a business, obviously you you don't do that. So let me preface everything in this conversation. If you if you're loving what we're hearing or you're, what you're hearing, you need to reach out to David and his team. Um, because don't go and just run out and start buying New Zealand property by yourself is what I'm trying to say, okay? Make sure you don't do your do research. It, even if you do, you're still going to be fine. That's a good thing about it. <laughs> even a Muppet can make money in New Zealand at the moment. Seriously, buy houses in New Zealand. I'm actually going to rephrase that one. If you want to make money, buy houses in New Zealand. I couldn't care less if you do it with us or not. You're still going to make money. Just if you want to make more money, just, just work with us. So... When, when I deal with clients, there's something that pops up in their head. People are normally very scared to even invest outside of their backyard. They like to buy it with their mom and dad bought. They, they want to stay close. They want to see it. They want to touch it. If you try and buy interstate, it's a bit scary. But then buying internationally, that feels like, how does this happen? Is it scary? Can I do it? How hard is it? Like, what, what was the, for you, you're, you're a man that's sort of traveled, you've been to London, you've been to Spain, you're, you're all over, you know, you've been around the globe. Yeah. So it might feel more natural to you, but someone that isn't so well traveled, is it as hard as we think it is to go travel no. and buy people, property it, overseas? It's the best thing you can ever do. Because the problem with buying stuff that's here is that you need to touch it, you need to feel it, you need to fall in love with the actual property. You shouldn't. I, what I said before was very clear in terms of it's about the numbers. If the numbers work, who cares what it is? You actually shouldn't see that. If you have a good network of people around you, if they're doing the right thing, you're going to be fine. And when it comes to New Zealand and Australia, which is what we're kind of discussing at the moment, it's the same freaking country. Yes, it's two, but it's one. Our mm. banks are your banks. Uh, we speak the same language. We have the 
best agreement between two countries in the world, in the OECD. So the CERTA, which is a close economic relation trade agreement, it's seriously as close as it gets between two nations. So there is nothing that you as an Australian cannot do that I can do as a Kiwi. That gives you the possibility of getting lending, uh, studying university at the moment, the first year free. You could come as an Australian and take advantage of that. If Labour gets re-elected this year, you will be able to probably get the whole uh, education in university for free. So Australians should be flooding in to do that mm. because you can get free education while you're making cash flow in one of our boarding houses, for example, in Dunedin, which is a, a world-class university. Let me touch on that then. That's very interesting because earlier what you had described was one of the driving factors in um, Australia, New Zealand, these countries is migration because yes. our birth deaths is quite low, but we're one of the fastest growing nations amongst the developed nations, first world nations. Don't like to use the term, whatever it is. What you just described to me is an incentive for more people to come into New Zealand. Does that mean that there is an opportunity yet to come? Do you do you see that it now is actually a good time to get into New Zealand? And let me preface this beforehand because New Zealand has had a really good run. Everyone heard Huge. New Zealand 20, 30, 50, 100%. Everyone had a really good run for a while, like Sydney. Um, and people thought, oh, is it too late? But what you're, what you're alluding to and what you're saying is that maybe it's not too late. It's not at all. And the funny thing about it is that it seems like we've had a good run because it's just happening still, right? But when you look at the actual data, if you look at post-GFC 2008, you're looking at 2020. We've literally just doubled in price. That's it. That is historically about right. We haven't done anything over the last 10 to 12 years that we haven't done over the last 50. So this is just a normal pattern on the New Zealand property market. The, the thing that's different about us is that it's pretty boring. It's just stable, same level growth because we don't have the mining. We don't have the, the level of exports that you guys have over here and different things that basically move the economic cycles a little bit faster. So we don't have that up and down. It's more of a stable, boring market. I do believe that this is just the beginning of something much bigger because in terms of growth and migration, we are actually growing faster than Australia, which is is amazing in terms of percentages obviously not in terms of numbers um but that shows just the desire that there is for people to come in to a safe haven with a with good weather one um, of the best prime ministers uh, leaders world leaders yes i don't know we're not going to talk politics or whatever no, we should why but, not I, you know, I, I love talking politics you know i don't want to ostracize anyone but I, I agree i think it's an interesting topic even my girlfriend yes. said look i want to go to new zealand i'd rather go over there <laughs> She's a lovely human being. And that's the reality of it. Um, look, uh, her policies, and most people think that property investors are all right-wing bastards, right? They just want to grab money from people and, and create a win-lose situation just for a couple of dollars. In my experience, people that are doing this well are further from that, as, as, as far from that as you can probably imagine. Uh, so for me, the reality is that I'm more left-sided than I'm right. Saying that, and this is going to sound a little bit controversial, I don't think that she got into power at the right time. She was a few years too early. 
Okay. I don't think that she has the political experience to be able to maintain this. And unfortunately, I don't know if she's actually going to get reelected. It is looking dicey at this stage. And that says something. When she has the charisma she has and the leadership skill that she has, which are seriously second to none. She, she's a beautiful human being, like I said before. It, it's just the, the things that have done that she has done yet to the country have not um, provided the results that she expected to okay. provide. And that's definitely seen there. Um, but either of the two governments that may go into power, which is the most important part for us and it was as investors, rather whether we like someone or not, both of them have actually promised what we need, which is infrastructure. So the latest package is $12 billion billion of infrastructure that's going to be helping especially regional areas. This is huge news. Massive news. Huge. If National gets into power, it'd probably be 14 to $15 billion. Even better. Spot on. And that with a regional package that they already have a $3 billion, uh, it's going to completely transform the way that regions are, are growing. And properties in the regions in New Zealand are ridiculously cheap, considerably speaking, and you get cash flow. You're actually buying properties in areas that are growing in population. And more than that, you're getting properties in an imperfect market. And let me explain you what that means uh, so, that, so that everyone actually understands. I'm sure that you kind of know. Uh, properties in New Zealand are very hard to value because they have a lot of land. And with land comes different sizing and different perspective and different possibilities when it comes to uh, subdivision and everything Supply, else. whatever. Completely. Uh, and that makes every property very different and very hard to value. So you can make money when you buy, but it gets even better than that because we can then add income streams to those properties very easily. So that means putting tiny houses, sleepouts, converting garages. That's the kind of stuff that we're doing all the time now to create cash flow. Sometimes you don't just buy cash flow off, off basically the internet. Mm. You buy something where you have the possibility of putting a, putting a relocatable home, adding a minor dwelling unit, a sleepout, converting that garage, and then all of a sudden you, you're getting a 12 to 15, 16% yield out of one property. And you've also increased a shed lot of equity into it. That's the opportunity that we have now. And that's just in the infancy stage. So that's why I believe that we still have so much to go because we're just getting started. You said a lot of really important things. Again, I want to try and unpack Please. some of it. So unpack away. Yeah. Yes. So the, one of the first things you mentioned there was regional. Yes. To a lot of Australian listeners, they feel scared, I feel, about regional. Yes. And the reason why is this is the connotations of mining booms or this or that and then it will spike up and come down, or it's too small a population to support any real growth, what do you say or think about this? We don't let people go into areas where they could get hurt. So there was, a, I'm not going to mention names, but there was a fairly well-known Australian investor. Most people would have read his books. Um, he bought um, about 300 properties here in New Zealand, and he, the market was Tokoroa. Tokoroa is literally just one industry. It was a mill that was closed down. Mm. He made a lot of money by buying, but he also lost a lot of money because as soon as the mill closed, there was no employer, which meant that no one could actually get, uh, the houses didn't have any demand for rental. That's the kind of stuff, one show pony industry doesn't really work. So you need to have more than one business providing employment, which is gonna support what we do. So when I'm talking about regional, I'm still looking at 100,000. Beautiful. And then and then the other thing that I wanted to touch on there was in this economic environment where cash is the cheapest it's ever been, and Australia is 0.75%, it makes no sense to be in cash. 
So what I believe is that these higher yielding assets become more and more coveted. And we've seen this. You've seen uh, industrial property. You've seen commercial property retail. The yield has compressed over time because more and more sophisticated investors want cash-rich assets. Yes. And what you're saying now is this opportunities for lay investors, people that don't have a lot of money, to get in and engineer this type of equity and cash flow. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. And, and that opens another part that I, I lo- I'm very passionate to talk about. And that is that people like the whole show pony, commercial property, bigger property, bigger numbers, bigger transactions, because it's all ego-driven. Uh, for me, the reality is that those little properties bloody hard to beat because the annualized return on investment, the return on investment that you get on those little ones beat the crap out of all the other big stuff. And it's just because people want to keep up with the Joneses and, and they do that as well in property investing, which I find absolutely crazy. Everyone that I know of my friends that have lost money in properties because they've gone too big to commercial development. Mm. Every single, it's a, it's seriously a pattern that I see again and again. They get that ego thing. I'm, I'm never going to screw it up. I'm too good to fail. And they screw it up as soon as the market changes. They take a big bite out of this asset. That's it. To show off. Because they don't know what they want. It's all power. It's all greed. I think that once that you get over that nonsense and your ego and you start figuring out what's truly important in your life, then you realize that you don't need to do that much to get there. And when you get there, it's beautiful because you come in a position of peace and and, and, and very chilled out about the way that you make those decisions because they are going to be the best decisions for your quality of life. It's not just chasing the dollar. It says you're running. I like the way you, you say you, you treat property like a business. Yeah. And the men, that the people, women that, that go towards and start doing ego-related transactions, not treating it like a business anymore. That's when they have some issues. And I want to ask you a little bit more on this. And I want to go back to your point about feeling tranquil and feeling liberated financially and what this means for you because that's all part of the why and why people get in and and it stirs people to action. But before I jump to that, I want to ask you how much you actually need to get started. Practically, if if people are sitting there now and they're saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm compelled, I want to start, I want to do something, I want to get involved... They look at the Sydney market, I need 10% on a half a million dollar asset, 50 grand is too much. Yeah. How, how much do I need to get started in New Zealand? What do I got to do? Well, you don't, I'm going to be very controversial, so you don't need any money to get started. <laughs> That's a I was waiting for that. Um, because I, I've, I've seen it so many times. I, I wish that I could tell you there is a number. I'm going to expand on this, obviously. But I've seen so many people do extremely well with no money. There are people. Sorry to pause. There's someone sitting in the room that's a living testament, and and you're going to meet her and see more of her. But (laughs) anyways, please continue. Yes, and we have we have fortunately a lot of these experiences. Uh, When someone's driven to do well, the money and I always say that if the deal's good, the money's going to come to the deal. Yes, you're not going to make 100% of the profits if someone else is funding it, but you can structure it as a JV in a way that you're still going to create some profits out of it. So you don't need any money to invest in any market especially not New Zealand, because there are plenty of really sexy deals that you can present to a lot of Australian people that have a lot of equity and dormant money that is not doing anything. And if you offer them 6 7 8%, it's a hell of a lot better than you get in the banks, and they'll jump right away, right in. So you don't need any money saying that. Is it better to start with money? Of course it is. Oh. It would be stupid for me to say otherwise. And, um, and that's when it gets really interesting, because then I look at also all the clients that we help, and we're talking thousands of people that we've helped one-on-one. And for us, it is a magical number 
And the magical number is $150,000 worth of equity or cash or in, in any way, form. It could be joint ventures. And those people, for some reason, they seem to just take off and do a hell of a lot better. We will not work with anyone on a one-on-one -on -one basis unless they have access. And that's what I say. It doesn't have to be your money. It doesn't have to be cash in a you know, backpack. We're talking access to $50,000. That is the minimum for us. Because we, when we're working with someone, we need to make sure that we can help them out. Yeah, you want people to be serious. You Spot want to on. have an immediate impact. Yes, uh, and it's because of our networks. Because one of the things that we do is, is work with the best networks in New Zealand, in the UK, in the US. And if we give them uh, clients, and we don't make any money out of them, but we need to give them clients that are actually going to be buying properties and they know what they're doing. Because otherwise we're just wasting their time and then we blow what we have created, which is a fantastic network of people and opportunities for our clients. I like this a lot because this is reminds me of a lot of what uh, Tony Robbins says, and I love you've shared the stage with him. Yeah, how he says it's it's not a lack of money or resources; it's a, it's it's creativity. It's the ability of looking for the opportunity, and what you said is if there's a project and it's going to make you ten, twenty, or thirty percent, whatever it is, yeah. someone's going to give you money. Of course, it is. It's it's so easy, especially when you can get annualized returns in New Zealand. Like we can get over hundred percent plus, you know, if you because you rotate the money so quickly. Uh, our average transaction, that's average number of properties uh, days that a property will stay in the market is thirty one days. So we can do eight week settlement to settlement transactions. We can rotate our money easily five to six times a year. It sounds like you need to be motivated to do this. Is is part of what what your because what you mm. do it's analytical you've got to have an open mind you've got to be able to work to turn the money over you've got to find investors it's how do you go about working with your clients to get them and spur them to action and get them to it's really a, it's a setup and you're 100 percent right you need to be motivated to do the setup to get started but once that you do to be honest it's a pretty lazy business you don't do much you, you cannot do much we don't let our clients work in their properties. It's not what they are there to do. I always teach them to work from the neck up rather than the neck down. So they're not physically going to be there. They're not going to do anything. They're going to make a few phone calls, a few emails. Well, that's not going to take you a lot of time. The setup, yes, there is a little bit of work on it. There is setting up structures, trust, companies, all that stuff, knowing exactly what you're looking, the targeting, working with the different sourcing agents, doing all those things. But it's, again, 20 hours a week for a few weeks, a couple of months, two, three months. That's it. Once that you do that, it's all done for you. And that's why I love it, because I'm, I'm lazy. Uh, that's what I love to do, very little, but I still get good returns, and that's what life is all about, so that then I can do the things that are really important for me. Mm. And that's how I give back. That's, that's how you do your charity work. That's how you do all those things that really make a difference to society and the people around you. And just to add exactly to what you're saying, I spoke to some of your clients uh, today, and... I said, oh, you, you've, you're buying properties in New Zealand. How is it coordinating trades and doing this? And do you go get, do you paint and do you work on, no, 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 it's easy. We've got a project manager. We pay them a little bit of money. They coordinate all the things. We do it all over the phone. No dramas. We value our time more than the money. And I thought, I, I feel like a fucking idiot. I, this weekend, am going to be painting. Really? <laughs> I'm working hard, not smart. So learn that one lesson in this conversation. Yeah, and, and look, there is, there is a certain beauty about manual labor. Don't get me wrong. I, I actually find peace in doing things. So one of the reasons why I, I moved out of Auckland uh, into a more rural lifestyle is so that I could choose to do things like this. So I have a, a beautiful ride on mower that I use every once in a while, but I also have gardeners that do it most of the time. But when I feel like getting away, I put on my headsets, play some music, and I just ride on the mower 
and have a bit of fun with it. Uh, it's great to have the opportunity of being able to do something manual like that because it, it's a form of meditation in a way, the way that I see it. So it's good as long as you choose to do it. So I'm going to reframe it. I'm meditating. Yes, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> then it's going to feel a hell of a lot better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thank you for all the, everything that you've shared. Very yeah. tactical. You've been very open, explaining quite a lot. And I, you know, often have to pay thousands to come and hear a lot of this tactical information. So thank you. Now I want to ask you some more sort of philosophical questions. What does it mean to be wealthy to you? What, what does wealthy mean to you? To own your time, own your own time, not have to respond to anyone else. It's a, it's, for me, it's a very simple answer. Uh, if you're still having to do stuff for someone or something, you're not really wealthy uh, because wealthy is all about time. It's choosing what you want to do, when you want to do it, with who you want to do it. 100% agree. 100% agree. And last couple more. Are there any books that you would recommend or is there a book that you give to your friends more often than not? I know that you, you mentioned a couple earlier, but are there any others or something that you'd say, this, this book changed my life or this is what one book I'd pa pass to all the viewers or listeners? Now that we're going philosophical, Please. I am, I'm going to go into the one that I'm rereading again. I think this is the fourth or fifth time, which is The Power of Now. Eckhart Good Tolle. book, Eckhart Tolle. It's absolutely amazing. And, and I think that going back to the mindset and whether it's hard or not to go to different countries, buy houses, move your ass and basically get it into gear, it's, I honestly don't think it's that hard. It's relatively easy if you start living in the now and stop forgetting about the past because it doesn't define who you are, that's for sure, or the future. Everyone's so freaking stressed about the future and what other people think and all that bullshit. Start making decisions on the now and then life changes completely. Uh, it's one of the biggest learning experiences of my life. It's just starting to live just on what you have in front of us and, and then everything changes completely. So that is hands down one of the best books that I've ever read. And then one of my friends as well, Robin Sharma, uh, his book, uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And this guy, this guy's a genuine guy. I've spent a lot of time with him. He, he does what he preaches. He's a, he's a beautiful human being. Uh, we even went um, uh, on one of the yachts uh, in um, in Auckland, just uh, the proper America's Cup stuff. Uh, and the guy is just uh, an amazing, amazing person. He wrote one of his books, actually, in New Zealand. He absolutely loves it. Uh, and if you want to get motivated in a different way, uh, get to understand who you are inside, I wouldn't recommend uh, any other book uh, that the books that he writes. Uh, so anything to do with, uh, with Robin Sharma, you're going to love it. And if you can get to see him as well live, He's amazing. Two great books. I haven't read The Monk That Sells His Ferrari by Robin Sharma yet. I'll add that to the list. But The Power of Now is excellent. I feel like it's one of those books where you, you read and you need to stop a second to list, digest the sentence that you've just read. Yes. So it's a good book. Must read, listen, watch his videos, whatever you got to do, but get that into you. And last but last, not least... Where can people learn more about you? I know that you have an event coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How can people get in touch with you and your organization? Where do we find you? Yeah. So these days, I don't really do much in any business that I do. That's the first thing. So I just kind of do these shows, have a bit of fun, talk to great people like yourself. Thank you. And, uh, and, and life's that easy. So, so for me, in order to, um, to give that stuff, I have to actually put you in contact with my team. So the, the way that we do events, we do events all over Australasia. Um, and uh, we, we do it in a three-day format. 
uh, we feel that it's the best way of transforming people from where they are to where they want to be. So we do stuff in, on stage, one day stuff with Tony Robbins and all those guys, which is amazing. And then people choose to work with us on those three days. The next one in Sydney is on the 13th of March, uh, 13th, 14th, 15th. Then we have another one in Melbourne on the 20th, 21st, 22nd. And then we go to Brisbane for the 27th, 20th, 29th. So those are the next three in Australia. Actually, no, it's not the next three. There is another one in Brisbane next weekend, uh, which I don't even know exactly what. I think it's 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Too many, too many 20s in there. Um, so we do a lot of these events. And, uh, and we limit it to about 50 to 75 people. It's the best, um, the best environment for people to get the most out of it. Uh, we go through everything that they need to know and then some more. We have some of the best speakers, the best crew, that people that are just starting and they've only bought two, three houses to people that have done 600 properties. And, and we have everything in a room and that just blows people away and it's real. There's no bullshit. There is no, there is no trying to sell you rubbish you don't need. There is nothing like that. It really comes from the heart. People that, that genuinely want to help you and we give them options to be able to take it as far or as little as they want to take it. Um, we challenge them really hard on day one as well to figure out what it is that they actually want. Once that they realize what they want, then they can create a better strategy to get to that, and that's what we teach for the three days. And uh, I absolutely love it. I'm very passionate about it because I've spent a lot of time um, putting it together and then training uh, the rest of the speakers as well so that they can deliver that quality information that no one else seems to be able to deliver on how to operate property business not just teach you how to buy a couple of houses it's, it's not what we do well i've got to say that, that i know some of the speakers that you get on stage and I, i've met some of the team and they're not to take anything away from you no 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 because say say what you need to say yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I know not what you're going to say and i'm yeah. happy with it but but ben doyle is, is he has a six very successful company here in australia this man doesn't need to get on stage and talk and, and to get people to learn about property. He's one of the most beautiful men that I've met. He has a presence. He comes from the heart. The message that he gives, it feels genuine and authentic. I'm not getting paid for any of this. I'm just saying it. But, um, yeah, you do genuinely get good people on stage. So it's... it's I always say that if you're the, smart, the smartest person in your team, your team is in trouble. It's very easy to get dumber people than you are. It, it's that's easy i mean i would struggle because i'm not the, the smartest cookie out there but for most of the people they, they you know it, it's easy to get people that they can control for me it's quite the opposite i want to make sure that everyone that works in the team it's better than me mm. at whatever it is that they do uh, because otherwise there is no point on having them on the team so the people that we work with are seriously amazing people i am basically redundant uh, most of the time, which you've is done great. your job, then that's it. That's but that's a job as an entrepreneur, isn't it? Now you're that's wealthy. That's what we need to do. <laughs> Correct. We need to just just show up, look pretty, confuse people, um, so that they get to do better work, anyways, uh, and move on. Uh, and that's what I, I I love being redundant. Absolutely love being redundant because it's what I feel that an entrepreneur needs to aspire to be completely redundant. I'm gonna have that as a quote now. I love being redundant. <laughs> love it seriously it's so good and th the only problem with it and th this is a personal thing is that uh, everyone that you work with aspires to be the same way that you are so you have to make sure that people still work hard enough while they have to do that so that then they can become redundant themselves okay because it's, it's a contagious thing when they see your life when they see the little that you do on what people see is a normal life and, and the things that you get to do every day, you know, taking my daughter to school, um, coaching the teams, uh, uh, waking up when I want to wake up, saying that um, 
Jesus, that went dark. The light went redundant. I, yeah, completely. He <laughs> wanted to quit as well. Um, it, it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to live life on those on those terms, and people feel so empowered because then they realize what wealth is. They 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 figure out that that's what they want as well. Just don't get there too soon. Just know when you get there so that you don't have to go back to the things that you don't want to do. I could sit and talk to you for another hour, but I know mm. that you've got to get to dinner. Yeah, I got dinner. Yes, hey. yes. I got some of our clients, which is great, and they're absolutely hilarious. So I'm probably going to be out until 2 or 3 in the morning, as it tends to be. Uh, and and yeah, that's part of my message. Have fun, for Christ's sakes. Everyone has to have fun. No one's getting out of life out of this. So make sure that you have fun, that you enjoy everything that, that we do. And um, shit, I've had a good time. So so I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm, I'm going to offer something. Um, Please. Shit, why not? You know, I'm, I'm there, so might as well do that. Uh, one of the things that I uh, that I did today on stage was offer a package uh, for someone to come to our next event over here in Sydney. Um, I know you have an audience all over Australia, correct? Yes. So um, what I want to do is is uh, offer you something, which is uh, for you to select someone. I don't want to be involved in the process. Okay. Someone that you feel is worthy, and, and I know that everyone is worthy. That's it's it's. Hap- Probably the wrong word to say. I love say. you all equally. <laughs> yes. But there is someone that potentially has struggled more, that needs this more than someone else, that maybe wasn't in a position to do it, but now everything's changed and they're going to make, or they want to make a difference. Someone that says, you know what, I'm so driven because I want to help my community in one way or another. So uh, the, the package that I sell is $3,500 for the three days. Then we have a lot of other goodies, portal access. We have seriously a shit lot of information, right? And uh, I'm happy to offer you one. So you choose whoever it is. I'm going to have a lot of friends after this this podcast. Yes. it's Look, I I really enjoyed this. I think you're a good dude. So uh, you choose whoever it is. I'll make sure that I I personally take care of them. Thank you, David. That's really, really, uh, really appreciate that. No, really. It's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. And without further ado, thank you, everybody. Thank you, David. My pleasure. Keep on listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.